Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be opened. Now, will you step through? And will you be faithful? Will you stay the course, not if, when the challenges come? Because I said, when the challenges come, I will be with you. Christ said that to us. It's not if. And we don't get spooked so badly that we bail when those challenges come. You just modify plan A. You find a way around, over, or or under, right? But you keep pressing to get through to the fullness of what you feel like God's really called you to. There was no plan B. There was only plan A. And what was his plan A? Stay tuned. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, founder and president of Professional Christian Coaching Institute, Chris McCluskey. Now, PCCI is where my co-host, John Ramstead, got his coaching credentials and how John got to know Chris. If you've ever wondered what coaching is, Chris does a great job explaining it after he talks about his story and what kind of a change he went through to get him into being on that cutting edge of this life coach, leadership coach, executive coach wave that you may be noticing. So without further ado, here's how we got that conversation going. Steve, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have a great friend of mine, a great friend of the show, Chris McCluskey. And I'm excited to have Chris on because we just sat here and talked for about 10 minutes before we started recording and we've got some great connections and I'm really excited to see where this thing goes. Well, Chris, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. And and guys, yeah, we should have probably been recording that last 10 minutes or so. (laughs) Just hit the ground running. This is going to be fun. Well, everybody, um, and Chris, I'll let you share your story, but you know, Chris started out his career. He was inspired. He was just sharing with us 40 years ago uh, by some of the work that Dr. Dobson was doing, got into the field of Christian psychotherapy and really uh, had some specialties in that area that really a lot of people in the, in the church needed. And I'll let you talk about that, Chris. But Chris just had this epiphany of working in the, you know, counseling is working in the past and coaching is really working with the person and moving toward the future and goals. And Chris was one of the first people to actually move into Christian coaching. He's known as the father of Christian coaching. Uh, He founded the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, where all the halftime coaches go to get certified. And that's how I found you. After I went through halftime, I wanted to go. I decided I wanted to be an executive coach, so I reached out to uh, Chris, and that just started a great uh, and meaningful relationship over the last year. So, Chris, I'd love just to start and just let's just talk about your journey and your story. And there's some significant high and low points along the way. And your faith has been a huge part of this. So I'm really looking forward of, of just hearing it all from you. It's so wild to uh, the conversation we were just having before we actually hit the record function here, Steve, recognizing your connection in the past with Dr. Dobson and focus on the family. And it was very definitely a key foundational piece of me catching vision for how I believe God uniquely gifted and called me. Scripture says those gifts and calls of the Lord are irrevocable, so they're in there, but that doesn't necessarily say we're going to discern them, or even if we do, that we're going to embrace them and be bold enough to, to step fully into them. But I can recall, I must have been about 11 or 12 years of age, and my mother brought uh, to our attention a, a new broadcast that was coming out on Christian radio, such as it was back then. It was a relatively small part of the media world, but it was called Focus on the Family. This guy named Dr. James Dobson, he was a Christian psychologist, and a lot of people were saying, well, can you even be a Christian psychologist? It's kind of <laughs> oxymoronic, isn't it? You're a Christian or you're a psychologist. Well, those two don't go together, and of course, uh, that that's ridiculous. But uh, at the time, it was a new thought that this field of psychology and studying 
how people are put together, why we do the things we do, how do we mess up our lives, and how do we bring healing to that? And, and all, it was relatively new to think about integrating that from the beginning into our Christian faith. Of course, now, most any church of any size has a significant ministry of Christian counseling, lay as well as professional and all, but back then it was new. She had an audio cassette series of the first several broadcasts. I forget what it was called, but we listened to all of them as a family probably several times through, and it was in the the space of kind of having that introduced to our world that mom said, you know, honey, I can see you doing something like what Dr. Dobson does someday. <laughs> uh, truly, I probably was about 12, maybe 13 years of age, but it was. It's, I'm in my 50s now, so it was 40-some-odd years ago. Well, that mustard and, seed grew uh, rapidly and, and uh, enormously, didn't it? Oh, buddy. I, I Of course, my, my background was in Christian psychotherapy. I opened up a practice. I went through various agencies first and eventually had my... my uh, fill of not being freely able to integrate in my faith and, and worldview and, and the moral construct that we hold as Christians. And so launched Christian Care Counseling Centers in Tampa Bay. And uh, it was initially just myself and another gentleman. We grew to the largest distinctly Christian counseling practice in both sides of the Bay Area in Tampa Bay. We were in Clearwater. And I figured that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, that was only for a season. And long story short, John, as you even alluded to there, I think what I had was kind of a front row seat as a psychotherapist and then supervisor of the other therapists and interns that are working for me, a front row seat to the dismantling of the family. The seed that was planted 40-some-odd years ago about the importance of focusing on the family and the family crises that we were facing as Western culture uh, had, had unfolded, had drawn me into this field, and here I was now, uh, I've used the phrase, being so close to other people's battlefields that, that eventually you become shell-shocked. You, just, you can't believe the amount of pain and trauma that families were, were facing. And so, in the context of that, and figuring that was where I would make my life, was in ministering in the brokenness and trying to bring healing that God has, instead, the Lord introduced me to this new field called Christian coaching, or actually it was just called coaching. There wasn't a Christian version of it at the time, but life coaching, it was at a conference. Uh, it was about uh, running fee-for-service practices, not billing insurance. And a gentleman stood up. He probably said five minutes worth of information about coaching. He was a therapist turned coach. Whatever he said resonated so strongly in my spirit because it was about vision. It was about growth. It was not about brokenness and healing in the past. It was about let's start where we are now, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and let's say what could be, what's possible and I saw the immediate connections with our faith and worldview and God's calling on our lives. And the rest is history. For 17 years now, I, I, I closed down that practice, and I've been doing Christian life coaching full-time for 17 years. You know, Chris, I, I would love to get your perspective. You know, you hear these stats all the time, you know, the divorce rates, just a lot of the social issues that affect the secular world and also people in the church. The numbers, the stats, the percentages are very similar what are some of your thoughts on that, maybe before we get into the coaching, and, and maybe some advice to people um, that would be helpful to them to bring some of that, that healing into the, the family dynamics that they have right now? Well, it really taps into one of the many things that excites me so much about coaching directly integrated into the ministry of the church. I believe, like I was just referencing a moment ago, that it's rare to find a sizable church now that doesn't have a lay counseling ministry. I believe if we fast forward 10 years from now, it will be rare to find a church of any size that doesn't have a lay coaching 
There will be professional coaches to whom pastors refer. There will be a lot of pastors and ministry leaders who are trained in a coach approach to growth and vision for unique fill, uh, carrying out of your calling. But I believe there will be a lot of l- equipped laypersons doing Christian coaching in the church. And the reason that excites me is because churches are designed in a large setting with a lot of people in a room to work in kind of an outside-in model. By that, I mean the pastor, the leadership, those who are teaching Sunday school, the discipling programs, the Bible study leaders. They have a a template. They have uh, scriptures. They have uh, moral tenets of our faith, uh, the, the code to which we ascribe. They have the steps of discipleship and growth. And those are outside of a new person coming in. They're seeking from the outside to pour those into the inner man and to draw them out into the fullness of who God created them. But it's an outside in. It's a teaching or a a discipling or a mentoring model. Coaching says that's going to take us to a certain point of growth. And at a certain point from the outside in model, then we begin to hear God more intimately in our private walk with him. And we begin to hunger for the deeper things of his unique calling on us, and fulfilling that for which we know we've been created and called. And at that point, nobody else has that model. They can't give it to us from the outside. This is now inside out. And a coach meeting somebody there to call out more of the fullness of those unique giftings and callings, that stokes me for the family. That stokes me for the church. So that's what uh, I see when, when, yes, our statistics look pretty much like the world's statistics in terms of marriage problems and trouble with our teens and whatever else. When we can meet on the individual plane with a maturing Christian, and it's too much of a statement to say finish the work, but take the work at least to the next level, one-on-one, ah, that excites me. Chris, in the New Testament, Paul refers to prophecy as exhortation, edification, and comfort. And the way you're describing coaching, it sounds very similar you're building people up, you're edifying them, you're exhorting them, you're calling them up, and then you're comforting them. Ooh, okay, you're right, Steve, it does sound like that. However, those would be, again, more outside-in kinds of things. To comfort is to try to bring comfort from the outside to another who is struggling. Um, And coaching is so much more about a lot of listening and questioning, having very little to offer except relationship, kind of walking alongside. It's a very intentional way of being with another person to help them essentially, I call it having a facilitated monologue. You're helping the person actually to hear themselves more clearly or to hear the Spirit's voice in them more clearly. It actually is closest to what in certain traditions of of the Christian faith would be called spiritual direction. But even that word direction speaks of kind of outside in, I'm going to direct you. It's, It's journeying alongside to draw out from the inside the things that are in there. I think a truly unique and distinct, different way of being in the body of Christ. So, Chris, you know, as you applied, you know, this transition that you're now helping people with, talk about what that looked like in your own life. Because what happened in Tampa Bay, you're running this practice. You're, you're, you and Rachel are thinking about this life you want to create for each other. You start seeking that calling God's put on your life. And what you did next, to me, just took tremendous amount of courage and faith to step forward. And I'd love for you to share about that part of your life. 
Uh, thanks, John. Uh, I'll try to give the short version of it. It's always so hard. But uh, in a nutshell, what we were finding was as fulfilled as I was in the clinical work that I was doing as a professional, Rachel and I on the personal front were beginning to have our family. And we'd had our first child and then a second. And then by the time the third was born, the oldest was at the age to begin to look at school. And my wife, having been a public school teacher prior to having children, uh, she looked into the public schools in the area where we were, and she says, boy, honey, this is not a public school system we're going to be able to put the kids in. And so we had to start looking at parochial. But wait a minute. As we talked about our vision for family, we wanted to have a large family. So, wow, you're going to pay for private school for a whole bunch of kids? That's going to be really expensive. You better have a successful practice. So it actually had us backdooring homeschooling. Now, homeschooling wasn't illegal where we were, but it was very unusual. We didn't know anybody personally who was homeschooling. So as we looked into that, we kind of thought, well, okay, so let's homeschool for a year. I mean, how badly could you possibly mess up kindergarten, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so we fumbled our way through, and it didn't actually go all that well, but we came to first grade. How badly could you mess up first grade? And by the time we had fumbled through kindergarten and first grade, we realized, ooh, we're hooked. What we were hooked on was a different vision for doing life and family that had family together throughout the day much more consistently than the normal model that Rachel and I had both grown up in Western civilization, you know, where you go out and catch the big yellow school bus and go off and mommy and daddy, you know, you wave bye-bye to daddy as he goes off to work and mommy does her thing. and Everybody comes together maybe around dinner time and then we shuttle around. That was why we grew up. That was kind of the default vision. And we started to catch a different vision for family and schooling. Well, that meant a lot of late-night talks and what-ifing. And see, that's where coaching lives. What about? Why not? What if we did this? Let's step into the future and imagine. Let's try on another possibility. And out of all those conversations came this idea. What if, instead of just the kids being at home, what if dad could be home? What if I could be present in the life of this family and shaping these kids like maybe a hundred years ago and then throughout most of history before that, Mm -hmm. dad and mom were together with family doing agrarian kinds of things or running the family business, running the, the, the blacksmith shop or whatever. But I wasn't about to bring my psychotherapy practice into the family. Well, God's timing is perfect. That's when he prompted me with that brief five minute little seed of a plant there about Christian coaching, I realized, wait a minute, this is working with people who are stable, healthy, functioning. They're not in crisis. This is working with people then who you're not trying to assess suicide, homicide, or assault risk. You could do this work by telephone. Oh, and maybe by this new thing that was coming out in the late 90s called the internet, right? We were playing with, uh, you've got mail. So, wow, what if you could do this by distance, I could work from home. Wait, wait, wait. I could work from anywhere. The whole world could become our classroom. The family could be portable. Dad could be a very central part of shaping just as mom is in in the uh, character of the kids and in the vision. And so, yeah, that began the journey then to looking at so seriously. Is this thing called coaching real? Is this just kind of a fad, just kind of a, a passing, you know, latest buzzword or is it real? I built a trial balloon alongside of my counseling practice, proved out the model, realized that not only was it tremendously impactful in people's lives, but I loved doing it. It was a good stewarding of my integration of psychology, but here for vision instead of for healing, into my Christian faith, the gifts and the call of the Lord, 
those things that are irrevocable. I could do this. And about that time, my folks came to us and said, hey, kids, you're not going to guess what we did. We just bought the family farm. And we're saying, oh, well, normally you don't want your parents to say they bought the farm. That's not a, that's <laughs> not a good phrase. But, but they had looked into the family farm that my mother grew up on when she was a little girl. It was out in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains in southwest Missouri. She'd always pined for the place. She'd moved off on it at 15 years of age. And long story short, she and dad had just, you know, they've empty nested. They're, they're having their grandkids born now. And she says, I've always pined for that place. I wonder whatever happened to it. It was in foreclosure. Had been for three years. They were able to buy it for a song. They said, we don't know what we're going to do with it. We just felt like God was calling us to it. Maybe we'll retire there. Maybe we'll resell it. We can vacation there. But hey, we bought the family farm. Well, we knew exactly what that piece was about. We really felt the Lord's hand calling us and saying, I will go before you. I will make the rough places. I will open doors that none can close, but I will close some doors that none can open. Will you, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not perceive it? Will you follow? Will you risk will you trust and so john you talk about the courage that took the boldness that's those are graces Uh, i don't consider myself any great visionary in terms of my natural state i'm I'm a chicken about a lot of things well when you think back on that time chris you just said you know (laughs) will you follow will you trust what was going on that inner monologue as you were looking at do i trust and step forward and just sell my practice and move out to the country or, you know, what, what was that process for you? Well, certainly one of the questions was one that most of my friends were asking at the time, which is what are you crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, that's a legitimate question. I mean, maybe it is crazy. Maybe I just ate something goofy before I went to bed and I got a weird uh, <laughs> dream in the night. But the other big question was, uh, where's my wife in this? Mm-hmm. Because anything this gigantic that has to do with vision and it's going to change the trajectory of your whole life, if you're married, you better walk in tandem with your spouse. She is a helpmate and she is very suitable for me. But you don't make radical shifts like this with career and where you're going to live. We were actually living near all of my extended family at the time. So the loss of some of those direct supports of family within 10, 20 minutes drive of each other, it was huge. So we had a lot of late night talks. Again, a lot of what ifing. I, I hired a coach. That coach began walking the journey with me, not telling, not directing, not advising, no outside in, being with me in the questions and being with Rachel and I together as we just stayed with the questions before the Lord. Father, we want to hear. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to act in craziness or spontaneity that's ill-advised. But give us the discernment and then give us the boldness and the courage to step into it. And of course we did. We eventually did close down the practice. We moved out to this little, well, it's 440 acres. It's a big piece of property, but it's on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. There's not a mall within 100 miles of where we live. And do you know, well, John, you do know, Steve, you haven't heard yet, but each of my, I have two siblings, a younger brother, younger sister, each of them in sequence began to sense the same kind of stirring. And my folks being back in Florida and my siblings being, like I say, about 20 minute drive from where we were, over time also made a similar move. They closed down their, their professional practices, their career. My, my one brother-in-law is a financial advisor. My other one was an a, a industrial engineer with an MBA. Closed down their work, moved out here to other sections of the farm, and got settled. And then my folks were the only ones back and forth. They now live here just up the dirt road. We don't have to go over the river and through the woods. We just walk up the dirt road. So over time, 
My entire extended family is transported here one at a time, each walking with the Lord. We have, Rachel and I have seven children. My, uh, uh, my sister and her husband have seven children. <laughs> my brother and his wife have six children. So, so there are only the three of us kids, but now we've got 20 children among the three families. My folks are living surrounded like those olive shoots around the, the, the table, you know, surrounded by their children and grandchildren. It's an amazing legacy, and it is only the move of the Lord. What an incredible vision. You know, when, when Don and I heard that story, you know, we've been talking, and, and that is a huge dream of ours, actually, to create that scenario in our life, Chris. But, you know, as you move back there, you know, before the family moved up there, what, what were some of the times for you that were just really challenging that you and Rachel really had to work through? Well, the big things uh, with regard to coaching, it was an exciting new field, and I understood it. I did try it out down there uh, in Clearwater and found immediately that persons, at least in that suburban-driven, you know, fairly densely populated metropolitan kind of an area we were living in, they got coaching. They were excited about it. I had clientele. Move out to the country, middle of nowhere. I, I still, to this day, have never had a client from this area. I haven't had a client who lives within 50 miles of me here. So the promotion, the marketing, the getting the word out, the where in the world are we going to get clients from was the biggest challenge, John, that and just technology, period. In fact, I figured what we would do down there. The Internet was new, but we were using the Internet, and, and I built a website early on. And, um, in fact, Amazon had just launched. They only sold books at the time. Google wasn't invented yet. This is, this is uh, Alta Vista was the big search engine mm-hmm. at the time. You can remember that. But... Um, but I had planned with my clients in Florida that all I would do was transition here. I'll give you a new telephone number, and you'll be able to still stay connected with me on the Internet, and we'll just go next month. Well, it didn't work that way because we got out here, and they didn't have telephone lines in the ground or above that would handle dial-up Internet. It was party lines from you know back in the day when there might be 10 people using the same phone. Now, they, they didn't use them that way anymore, but they couldn't handle dial-up. So my business skidded to a complete halt for two months while we waited for cable to get laid that would handle dial-up. I lost some of my clients. We got back online. We plugged into the old farmhouse that my granddad had built here about 50 years previous. And uh, the very next month, a tornado ripped through just about a mile north of us, but it shot a huge surge down the electrical lines into that non-grounded electrical system in that old farmhouse, fried every piece of technology I had, my computer. I wasn't making backups in those days. Remember when we were all still working Mm -hmm. on floppies and all? So, So again, huge setback, big, big trials. As soon as we began to really embrace the call and step across, We got hammered on every side. I lost nearly every client I had then, could not get my marketing out. Social media, of course, didn't exist. So our marketing became something that we had to do just by snail mail, you know, direct mail pieces. I did a lot of traveling. I jumped a lot of planes. I went and spoke and taught and did whatever I could to get visibility. But those were the biggest challenges was trying to grow something in the very early days when nobody really knew what coaching was until you explained it. And you're out away from most of civilization. Huge challenges. And, you know, you kept persevering. So what did you learn from that whole process that you share with people today or as you're coaching with people today that are looking at, you know, trying to change that trajectory of their lives? Yeah, one of the phrases I've begun to use is, um, you know, we frequently hear, well, you're going to have to go with a plan B. But um, if I can play on that phrase a little bit, we knew what we felt like was plan A. 
Mm-hmm. And that would be what we felt God was calling us to. We had been willing to listen closely enough and discern what we really truly believed. I mean, God didn't show up at our bedside with a flaming scroll and an angel and say, thus saith the Lord. But, but we felt that through the prayer, the time in fasting, the seeking of wise counsel, the hiring of a coach, the, the many, many hours of conversation and number crunching and what ifing that Rachel and I had spent, that this was indeed God's call, the, the plan for this next season of our lives. So in stepping into that plan A, we really didn't consider, I wonder what plan B might be. There wasn't going to be a plan B. Now, there might need to be plan A.2 and plan A.3 and plan A.8 and 15 and whatever. You might have to keep modifying your understanding of what it's going to take in order to achieve plan A. But it's kind of like in war. When you go in to fight a war, you better know what victory looks like, and you better keep that as your primary goal. You don't keep modifying and whittling down because you'll wind up settling for something that is so far from what's really acceptable that it'll just make you disgusted you ever set foot foot into the battle to begin with. I, I, I believe very strongly that when a person does the hard work of discerning, that the Lord does, in fact, fulfill his word. You know, when you seek, you will find. When you ask, you will receive. You knock and keep on knocking. Remember, those are, those are future perfect tense words there when it says seek, ask, knock. Yeah, it's, it doesn't mean knock once and hope the no. door opens. <laughs> knock and keep on knocking, and it will be opened. Now, will you step through? And will you be faithful? Will you stay the course? Not if, When? The challenges come. Because I said, when the challenges come, I will be with you. Christ said that to us. It's not if. And we don't get spooked so badly that we bail when those challenges come. You just modify plan A. You find a way around, over, or or under, right? But you keep pressing to get through to the fullness of what you feel like God's really called you to. What I'm hearing there, Chris, what I love is this mind. You guys developed a mindset where there wasn't a back door. And you said, you know, what victory looks like, having that discernment. What kind of victory was that? Oh, man, yeah. When, when you close down a very successful Christian counseling practice, I mean, truly, the referral of choice for many of the pastors, there were over 600 churches in the Tampa Bay area, and we were the referral of choice of many of those. A very ecumenical, non-denominational kind of a practice, but all distinctly Christian, completely free from insurance billings and such. We were a standalone. We had great freedom and joy, and it was thriving. To close that down, at the height of such, quote, success, to sell your beautiful home in suburban, <laughs> we had a very nice little four-bedroom home with a little in-ground pool and the birdcage over the pool and big wraparound deck. And it was nice. Life was good. And my extended family was there. We, simply, we were not bailing on something that we said, oh, we don't like this. We want something to know. We loved it. And we believed we were discerning a different call to, to cut loose those kinds of ties and to step into this, yeah, there was no back door. And so, the, you know, we're told if you're faithful in a little, you'd be placed over much. The, the fruit that has come from those steps that we took, I, I certainly don't, I hope that I'm not sounding like I'm patting myself on the back or that I'm being prideful in this. I'm saying I, I went into it in what I believed was obedience. But as we were faithful in those things, when I look now at what the Lord's done with that, he didn't just have for the McCluskey family to settle out here in the country and raise their kids. And gee, isn't that nice? They have a nice life. Or wow, isn't that amazing? They have their, their siblings and their you know, nephews and nieces and grandparents. 
That wasn't God's ultimate in this. That was a piece of it. If we have, back to the beginning of today's call, if we have focused on the family, if one of the greatest witnesses and ministries we could have in this culture, in this day and age, is simply to raise a healthy family, then in doing that, I look now at that little private coaching practice that I was trying to grow through direct mail pieces, and I see today instead the largest distinctly Christian coach training school in the world. I'm training thousands of Christian coaches all over the world via Telebridge using all of this latest technology to do exactly what we did wherever they are and to be portable and to help other Christians and even non-Christians. Many of our, our, our students don't only open distinctly practice, Christian practices. They work with non-Christians as well. But doing coaching from wherever they are, that was part of the Lord's bigger vision. We're now on the forefront of not just through our school, but through this global community we've started of other Christian coaches of helping the church capture a vision for what this lay coaching that I'm talking about can look like. If that's part of what the next 10 years involve, oh my goodness, that's the bigger piece of what God was calling, not just something to bless the McCluskey family. You know, it's interesting you bring that point up because what, what I was thinking about uh, asking you next was really, what, you know, what's the future of Christian coaching as this rolls out? Uh, the vision of PCCI, Professional Christian Coaching Institute, that you founded to train these coaches, equip them to go uh, then work in other people's lives. What does that look like over the next five and ten years, and what kind of impact does that have not only in individuals' lives but also in God's kingdom? Because I just feel this sense that God is moving in a big way, and the timing of where you're at in this season is is just appointed for what's happening. Mm. Yeah, John, I feel like I, I'm privileged to have my finger on the pulse of something that's happening that uh, I do believe is a move of God. I, you mentioned the halftime coaches, and that was, in fact, how you found us mm -hmm. and took your training at Professional Christian Coaching Institute. We've, we've been privileged to train all of the, uh, the coaches in that ministry, but Convene, which is another organization I know you're familiar with, mm -hmm. they are uh, a group kind of like C12, and there are other large entities of Christian business owners who are working in a mentoring-slash-consulting-slash-coaching kind of a way with other Christian business owners. And Convene just recently had me out to speak as a keynote at their huge conference, and we're training now all of those chairpersons that facilitate those those one-on-one um, -on -one and group meetings for all of the Convene people. This represents over 400 Christian business owners throughout the uh, United States and Canada principally. Some of it is international as well. But we're training now and equipping their coaches. Okay, so if that is a harbinger of what's coming, that ministries like Halftime and like Convene, and actually I could list for you more than half a dozen other really large household name kind of Christian ministries, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I haven't got permission yet. I didn't ask permission from them to use their names here, so I'll not. If I were to mention the organizations that are having their key leadership trained by us right now, it would very much excite everybody who's listening because what you realize is these large right out at the forefront kind of parachurch ministries and, and large mega church ministries that we hear about all the time that are shaping the emerging church are shaping the work of the church in the world. They're training in droves in Christian coaching. Five years from now, 10 years from now, you are going to see the emergence of a profession 
that right now only kind of exists in a, in a nascent form. I don't think we're in our infancy anymore. I think we're probably in toddlerhood or maybe kind of moving past toddler. But there's still a lot of stumbling and fumbling among professional Christian coaches. But you're going to see then pastoral and uh, chaplaincy level kinds of Christian coaches who are not doing this as their career. They're not running private practices, but they are using a coach approach in their – they're adding this to the other roles they carry out as a preacher and a teacher and a discipler and a mentor. And now I'm also a coach, and they know what that means. It's not just a putting the latest buzzword coaching onto what they were already doing. It's a distinct role. And then I think we're going to see this whole army of lay coaches, persons who are equipped and understand the coach approach walking one-on-one alongside of others in their questions, not advising, not discipling, not mentoring, not that outside-in, but instead calling forth that inside-out kind of work. That's where I see things going. I, I, John, i, I got to give our, our scripture verse that we use as the foundational verse for um, this global ministry we have called ChristianLifeCoaching.com. It is from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. That drawing effect, that calling forth, that that daring them to be willing to speak it out. And and we've all had the experience of saying something and and stopping in our tracks and going, whoa, I needed to hear myself say that. I think that was from the Lord. That came from the core of my being. That bypassed my brain. I needed to hear that. That's it. That calling forth of the purposes of our hearts from their deep waters, that's what I see in five to ten, minute, ten, five to ten years the church will be doing on a large scale through coaching. So drawing out these insights, linking that, those to those deep waters, those purposes, those callings, is that what those ministries are seeing convene in halftime and all these others that are having them look at what you're doing in this coach approach and embracing it? What I'd love to hear in your words what you think um, that they're seeing as this benefit of moving in this direction, how it increases the velocity that fulfills the passions and, and the purposes that they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I really, I do. Let, let's talk about those leaders in particular who are committing time and money and, and um, sending their leadership to get this kind of training. Why, what are they seeing? Where are they seeing the applications? Two of the other keynote speakers at that convene conference, this is just last month, so it's fresh in my mind, but two of the other keynote speakers were prominent Christians in positions of huge influence in Christian businesses. We're all pretty familiar with Steve Green. He's president and CEO of Hobby Lobby, hugely successful business run by a Christian and run on Christian principles, very family-oriented. Steve talked about his family and how they make decisions and the big uh, museum on the Bible that's coming out here in Washington, D.C. This is a man who is having influence through his business and the monies that that business has generated being run on Christian principles. He's having influence throughout Western culture and all over the world. What he was speaking about was the importance of the integration of vision into the work in the marketplace for Christians. We need more successful Christians in business, in positions of leadership. One of the other keynote speakers was Cheryl Batchelder. She is the CEO of Popeye's Louisiana Kitchens. It used to be Popeye's Chicken. She took that company and she talked about how she did. She took that company from, uh, I think in their in their heyday they were uh, trading uh, on the stock market. Their their stocks were trading at about thirty five dollars a share. They had plummeted to I think her statistic was about eleven dollars a share. 
just That's bad, correct. bad. And they mm-hmm. are now trading at, I believe it's $56 a share, might be 65 I, I don't have the stats fresh in my mind, but in other words, way higher, nearly double what they had ever traded at before. She's turned that baby around. She wouldn't say single-handedly, but when pressed in that interview after her keynote as to what was key to that, she said, do you know, every Monday and Tuesday, I meet with every single one of my key reports for an hour and a half individually in a coaching session. Every Monday and Tuesday. Now, this is a secularly run business using a coach approach from leadership to turn around a huge entity. And she's a Christian in a non-Christian setting. She's having huge influence because she's taking a coach approach. She's helping them all to listen to the things that they all need to hear. She was pressed on, you know, do you ever use Christian principles, scriptural principles? She said, oh, man, I preach the, the scriptures all the time. I just never use chapter and verse. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are influential Christians in positions of tremendous leadership and influence in our culture. And they're embracing a coach approach to discernment about what is needed now and then how do we step it out? How do we put feet to it and make it become reality? If that's what God's calling us to, let's get about the work. Well, and I'm just thinking about the impact. There's 22 million companies, which is 80% of the people employed in this country, that are companies with 100 or less employees. So just think about coaches that are equipped out there, working with leaders that are embracing this approach, the impact of people of faith can have, we can, I think we could completely turn this culture around in the next three to five years. If people get engaged, they embrace these principles and they learn uh, and they draw, you know, they draw that out because I think the answers are there. They're just not always connected with them. And they bring that out into their lives, into their business, but most importantly, into the lives of the people around them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what we get excited about, right, John? I mean, that's what Eternal mm-hmm. Leadership Podcast is about, is, is, is calling forth that kind of thing. And you said, you know, the answers are there. Yeah, the answers are there inside of each one of us as, as believers because the Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is where the answers come from. The Holy Spirit is, is the conduit for us to discern, to know the Lord's will. And He desires to, to carry it out through His church, where His hands, where His feet, where His mouthpiece. So that embracing of and willingness to listen to the movement of the Spirit one-on-one in all of our positions of influence in the marketplace, not just in the church and the pews on Sunday morning, but taking it out of the marketplace where the world lives, where culture is shaped, where our media influences, where money moves things, to have Christians who are habitations of the Holy Spirit of God listening so clearly to the, move, to, the, to the voice of God that they then truly do discern how he is calling them to act, and they act? Oh my goodness, yes, we can turn things around. It's the Lord working through his body, and his body is hearing. And his body needs to be fit, healthy, and active, <laughs> and, and fed well. Uh, you know, as we wrap up, Chris, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with people as they're listening to this? They've listened to this conversation. Well, I, I think that something like this surely stirs up a lot in folks, but it does leave us kind of wondering, well, so now what? And, and so uh, if coaching, and certainly distinctly Christian coaching, is a new concept to listeners, I would recommend first doing some research. And an easy place to do that is actually to jump on not my school site. I'm not promoting the school here. John, I'll let you do that in a moment. But I'm promoting the, the free service. We, we, all, we launched a sister site that is open to anybody in the world, simply called Christian Life Coaching. Dot com. 
And at ChristianLifeCoaching.com, we have a podcast, we have a blog that is updated twice weekly. Uh, we have a community of persons that exist on Facebook for interaction. There's a support community there for people to begin getting their feet wet in what is Christian coaching. And then if they decide they want to do some deeper work, I would recommend an excellent text. It's been out for more than a decade now, but it is the seminal work in this field. It's by my good friend, Dr. Gary Collins, and the book is called Christian Coaching. It's an easy one to remember. Christian Coaching Mm -hmm. by Dr. Gary Collins. It's in his second edition, published by NavPress. 400 and some odd pages that really lays out the professional approach that we teach integrated with our Christian worldview and faith. Um, so if you want to press in for more of that, I, I think that's some next steps. If a person's wanting to think about hiring a coach, as I did back when I first heard that little five-minute plug, and I went, I think this is what I might be called to. I, I went out and hired a coach. Well, so you're looking to hire a coach. Where do you go? Again, that same free site, we host a search engine on there. It's free to anybody to use. You simply go to christianlifecoaching.com and click on the little tab that says find a coach. And you can tailor for the kind of life issues you're wanting to have a coach work with you around. Could be personal, could be finances, could be a dream of launching a business, could be relationship enhancement, parenting, uh, health and fitness. I mean, any number of things lend themselves to vision-driven growth through coaching. So you can find a Christian coach there through that. If you are a Christian coach, you can go there and list yourself for free. So I think that that site is... um, an easy next step for people because everything is available there and free. From there, if you want to get training and all, John, again, I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, promote the training that you took. But um, but those are some good next steps to just get more information. Yeah, what I would really encourage people, anybody's listening who's just heard just some of the powerful stories that Chris has shared, and maybe you're sitting there thinking about, you know, what could be? What could be this future that, that God's called me to do, the uh, a vision, you know, a, a vision for just this better place. Uh, you know, uh, in in John ten ten, Christ talks about that He came here to give us life so that we may live it to the full. People want to live that full life and have that relationship with Christ and, and connect to that calling and their purpose. And maybe you're not there. Maybe on a scale of one to ten, you think you're a four or you're a seven or you're somewhere in there. And for me, uh, I started that whole career that that track. Uh, with coaching with Jeff Spatafora from Halftime, who's a good friend of yours, Chris. Mm. And it, it was absolutely a watershed moment in my life when I got clarity, like you talked about, on what victory looked like. And once I had clarity on what that looked like, you know, and I and because of my accident, and we didn't get into some of the health challenges you've had, we've both only able to work very part-time. Mm-hmm. But I've had more velocity toward what I'm doing in my life right now working part-time than I ever did working 60 or 70 hours a week. And that all came down to having clarity, understanding who I am, uh, who God is and his role in my life. And and it moved me to a place of just such a fulfillment and joy that I honestly didn't think was possible before this whole process. And I would also say, just as an executive coach, working in companies, working in teams, Cheryl's become a friend of ours too, if you are influencing people, which means you're in a leadership role, and, and you want to bring the best out in them and serve them forward in every part of their life, coaching skills in that business uh, setting that you're in right now will enhance what you're doing, enhance your skills, enhance your effectiveness incredibly. So I, I would also really encourage people, go to Professional Christian Coaching Institute, just Google that. It's PCCI. No, it's professional. Professional Christian Coaching. Professional Christian Coaching. Dot com. 
you know, go there and you don't have to do what Chris and I have done and gone and, and have a full-time practice in coaching. These are, uh, I would say, a majority of the people in the classes I've been in, Chris, uh, are folks that want to have the coaching skills and bring those into the work environment that they're in as a manager, as a CEO, uh, leading teams, whatever it happens to be. And the feedback, because we've all become just really good friends, the effectiveness and the fulfillment and the the culture that they've had and the teams that they've been able to develop, bringing those coaching skills into that environment has just been extraordinary. I'd love to spend another half hour and just share some of those stories, but um, some of them are actually pretty epic. So uh, <laughs> we might need to do a show on that, huh, John? <laughs> I think that'd be a great follow up. So Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for um, you know leading the way for the rest of us to actually create. Uh, coaching, which I really believe is going to be a, a key to transforming this society and also a key to discipling nations, which we're all called to do. Amen to that. And John, Steve, thanks for having me, guys. This has been fun, and it's going to be fun to watch and see what the Lord does with this. He brings, uh, he brings much fruit when he scatters his seed like this. Bless you both for what you're doing here. Well, thank you, Chris, and, and bless you, my friend. Give our best to Rachel. I'll do it. If you'd like to learn more about Chris or the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, just go to our show notes for this episode, eternalleadership.com slash 087. That's eternalleadership.com slash 087. Now, PCCI had a short-lived podcast that's been rebranded and relaunched. I'd love to introduce it to you. Just go to our show notes and you'll see that link there as well as one embedded in the summary of this MP3. They'll have interviews with top coaches both inside and outside the Professional Christian Coaching Institute as well as coaching moments, examples of coaching sessions and breakthroughs within those sessions. They call it masterful coaching. It's going to be great. Get that link, eternalleadership.com slash 087. Next time on Eternal Leadership, serial entrepreneur and coach Aaron Walker. The people that think they know it all, that they don't need accountability, they don't need mastermind groups, are going to live, first of all, a very lonely life because we were created to live in community, not as islands. Second of all, what is wrong with having the benefit of 12 other lenses to see how you should or shouldn't be doing something. This guy is as down to earth as they come. He's got great practical wisdom. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder. Thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.